but I did it in a way that was so not hustly at all because it was just, this is my side hustle. I will see what happens. And eventually it grew into a six figure business where I literally had to do no marketing. Cindy Warren is a former attorney turned yoga instructor, life coach, and now side hustle master. She's the host of the Side Gig School podcast, and her story is one that we can all relate to. She went back to her law career after maternity leave to find that her role had been reduced to menial work, and she decided that it was time to really look at her own life, her ambitions and desires, and choose to do something else. And by the way, if you know anything about my story, you know that's exactly what happened to me. You can hear more about my story on episode 51 of this podcast. And she had this advice to give to anyone who listen. I just sort of started it before I was ready. And it was early 2021. And I reached out to people who knew me. And the first group I had of the program, they were all people who I who had taken my yoga classes. And I think that's how businesses always start, with the people we know. In this episode, you'll hear Cindy's amazing story of starting in a traditional path where she thought her life was all set for the next 30 years and taking a turn that would change her life and her family's forever. Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview inside our uncut vault at theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut, which you can access completely free. In the full version, you'll hear how Cindy family reacted to her abrupt career change and how she balances all her endeavors and family life and all that mom guilt that shows up when you're pursuing your dreams. To watch the full version for free, go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while you're making lunch, save me some and don't forget dessert. And then head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's my interview with this side hustle master, Cindy Warren. Welcome to The Global Phenomenon, the podcast about online coaching, the inspiring new career path responsible for multiple self-made millionaires, opening the doors for experts and professionals like you and me to stop living paycheck to paycheck and design a rich and abundant life with one purpose, to help others. I'm your host, Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach. Listen for lessons and strategies that will turn you into the next global phenomenon. Today's episode begins now. Today, I am joined by business coach Cindy Warren, and I can't wait to dive into her story with you. Hi, Cindy. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Ina. It's such an honor. So, Cindy, why don't you start by telling us what you do right now and who you help right now? I help budding entrepreneurs start and grow successful side hustles in under five hours a week. And I do that in my group coaching program called Side Gig School. I, I also work with entrepreneurs of all sizes in my one-on-one -on -one coaching work. But really what I am so fired up about is helping the newbie budding entrepreneurs. 
And I hear you because those are my people. Like I love, love my newbies. We're going to get into how you chose that niche, how you chose that audience. But first, I like to go way back and explain your background a little bit because you actually went to Stanford Law School, right? I did. So not everybody in coaching starts out this way. So I want you to tell me the story. Did What were you doing in Stanford? What were you specializing in? And specifically, what did you think your life was going to be like when you were in school studying law? Such great questions. And I'm so embarrassed to say that I don't know how many forward thinking thoughts I had about what is my life going to look like as a lawyer? And why am I going to law school again? (laughs) I think the beginning of my career was what I like to think of as unintentionally successful. Like I literally got good grades in college. So I got into a fantastic law school, did well there, law review, honors, all the things, got a great job. And just really almost um, on autopilot went into my professional life. Now, I ended up practicing employment law for a very long time, which is a fascinating area. I really enjoyed it before I ever became an entrepreneur, which happened many years ago before I became a coach. But one of the things that I really like to help clients with, and I think this fuels my coaching fire, is don't be quite as unintentional as I was. Like, let's actually figure out your vision and your why. What do you want? Why do you want it? Versus, well, I think I'm supposed to go to college next. Now I guess I'm supposed to go to law school. And now, okay, I'll go work for the big law firm and so on and so forth. So let's, we're going to go just back in time. And I want you to embody that person that you were when you started working for the big law firms, right? What was life like then? Honestly, it was overwhelming. It was like, well, this is what I'm trained to do. Obviously, no one forced me to go to Stanford. This is what I know how to do. These are all the loans I've amassed. So this is my choice. And the practice of law is not for the faint of heart. And no one goes into law firm life knowing what they need to know. They don't teach you that in law school. So I think the first couple of years working as a lawyer in a big prestigious law firm, making great money, they were very overwhelming. What was overwhelming about it? The amount of things I didn't yet know how to do. And I would say I also at that stage in my life, so I was a young woman in my mid-20s, I didn't really know how to take care of myself. So I think my nervous system was in a constant state of overdrive and overwhelm. And I didn't know anything other than, well, I guess you just step on the gas pedal harder. You just go faster. You just go more. That's how you accomplish. That's how you succeed. And that's sort of like an accidental lesson I taught myself growing up being a straight A student, wherever I went, was like, just study harder. Just get up earlier. Just push, push, push. Oh, well, that seems to work. And I really thought so naively back then, that's the only way. What did you think your family thought about the way that you were leading your life and handling your job? What did they, what was their impression of what was going on? I think they were very proud of me. I mean, I think they thought, wow, look at you. You're doing so great. You look good. You look like you're happy. Things must be well. Tell me a little bit about 
what was going on at work when you started to realize, I think I need to make a change. And the reason I ask that very specifically is because, you know, as a business coach, when I work with people who are thinking, I need to do something else, I need to do something different, I, I don't want to be my job anymore. My first question is always, what's going on at work? Because somebody who yeah. is satisfied with what's happening at work doesn't wake up one day wanting to just light a match to it and do something else. Usually there's something going on that pushes you in a certain direction. Was there something happening around you that was pushing you out the door? Yeah, interestingly, that's such a great question, Ina. Interestingly, it was almost the opposite of what I described. So I had just become a mom. Mm -hmm. and went back to work part-time because I had the luxury of being able to go back like 80% time or whatever. And the law firm I was at at the time didn't know what to do with a part-time woman. So they gave me exceedingly boring work. It's funny because I started this conversation saying, I didn't know anything. It was overwhelming. Now I was at a point where I was like, why are you treating me like a law student? I'm like, you know, a lawyer several years out of law school. And I found myself not being inspired or even intellectually stimulated by the work at all. And at the same time being like, and why am I away from home, away from my daughter, leaving her with a nanny? Like I didn't really see that the, the cost benefit analysis wasn't making sense to me. So that was what forced me to hit the pause button. And the next question is, uh, you know, what we would obviously think is the next logical step, which is maybe I should just get, go get another job. Maybe I should just go find a law firm full of women who have women-centered policies and who will treat me better. Um, not everybody decides, you know what, I think I'm going to try to do something completely out of the box, especially in the, in the absence of mentors. I wonder if those thoughts were in your mind or if you didn't even think about another job at that point. Great question. What I knew was I needed to take a pause. So I quit the job. And I was going to give myself a little bit of time to stay home with my baby and figure it out. What quickly became apparent to me was I am not meant for full-time motherhood. When I am engaged intellectually and otherwise, I show up as a more effective mom. And so I knew I needed to find something. And it's funny because I didn't really think what's the right law firm? Like, what's the next job? I thought, what can I do that I already know and just see what happens? Mm -hmm. And I remember different ideas floating around in my head. And I did have a friend who had a human resources consulting business. And I remember her sort of planting a seed in my ear of, well, why don't you try this? And she lived out of state and, you know, we weren't competing in any way. And I thought, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll try that. So I would love to talk a little bit about uh, this new business that you started. So doing the HR consultancy, uh, yes. which it, it means that you know, it was a perfect segue. You were doing employment law. Now you're going to be doing basically helping companies, um, you know, avoid getting sued. I heard you on a podcast recently saying avoid getting sued or create a better environment for the company. So um, how did that how did that feel, you know, starting that? Because you were doing it as a side hustle almost, like it wasn't like, like a full-time thing. How did totally. that, how, tell me a little bit more about that story, how that came about. It's funny because I really had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I started off and I was like, yeah, employment law, HR consulting seems seamless. 
I do all the things HR. No, I do trainings and I do investigations. And it took a long time for me to get really clear on who should hire me and what they should hire me for. <laughs> like it was definitely um, some wasted time in there, but I did it in a way that was so not hustly at all because it was just, this is my side hustle. I will see what happens. And eventually it grew into a six figure business where I literally had to do no marketing. It was just all referrals. Everybody knew me as like, you need a workplace investigation. You go to Cindy Warren, you need a sexual harassment training in your office. You go to Cindy Warren and that was fantastic. So it took almost a decade to get to that point, which really served me. Like there wasn't a problem. I wasn't saying, why isn't this working? Why isn't this happening faster? I actually had a lot of fun with it and different iterations of it and trying different services out until I naturally found, wait, this is really the skill set I bring that's unusual. And these are the ways I want to work with clients. And these are the clients with whom I want to work. So I would say it grew. And I know I used this word before talking about the beginning of my career, kind of unintentionally. Like, I don't know exactly what I, I'm doing, but I know I've got skills. I know I've got experience. I know I can figure this out. And I did. And I think if I had wanted to do it quicker, I could have, but there was no reason to. It was happened absolutely fine. So that business I had for my daughter's um, almost her entire life. So, you know, a couple years shy of two decades, really. Yeah. So then how did you find coaching? Because at the same time you were doing, you were teaching yoga, you were yeah. teaching yoga to yoga teachers, you yes. write a book on yoga, right? It's like yes. You're, yes. you have your business, then you have yoga. Like what was going on at the time that you decided to write this book? I think I've always been as an adult, like once I got through law school, like someone who is a seeker of meaning and purpose. And maybe because I started off without much of that, mm -hmm. <laughs> I became kind of obsessed with purpose and meaning and the existential questions. It's nice to keep us up at night. And yoga was really a bridge for me that helped me. Well, the philosophy of yoga is very much how do you live with presence? How do you live a meaningful life? What does that even mean? How do we measure it? And I, I kind of took a very deep dive into philosophy and my book is, is, this isn't what it's called, but I think of it as yoga philosophy for dummies. Mm -hmm. And it's like sort of a very simple, easy look for either newbie practitioners or people that have just done the physical practice or even the yoga curious. What is it about this practice that keeps lasting decade after decade after decade? And that quest for meaning, I think, ultimately led me to coaching. Like I sort of felt like, okay, well, yoga and what I want to do professionally as a yoga teacher and an author, that was great. And then I sort of felt like for me, I hit the ceiling of what I wanted there. And then it was like, okay, now what? Now what? Now what? Mm -hmm. And coaching was the answer. How did you find coaching? a girlfriend actually said to me, I think you should look into life coaching. Like, I remember this conversation so clearly. And I was like, what's that? And she was like, just look into it. I think you might want to get certified. And that began sort of my foray into this big, beautiful world that is coaching that like 
five years ago, I didn't even know what it was, which just blows my mind because now it's so much of who I am and what I do. Um, but yeah, it was like this little, again, a friend planting a little seed in my ear. You got to check this out. Did you go straight into a certification program? I did. Do you mind plugging and it? Sure, sure. And this was only my first one. I'm going to have to plug my second one too. I started with the Institute for Life Coach Training. And it was a six-month certification practice. But because I'm a lawyer and have an advanced degree, I got fast-tracked. So it was three months. So it was very quick. And then I just started coaching. And all that happened before I ever hired my first coach. And when I found my first coach, I got introduced to the Life Coach School, LCS, which is where I ended up also getting certified. And that was another six-month process with a whole lot of things after that. So um, yes, I am. I consider myself to be pretty deeply steeped in the life coaching world. And then that in the last year really also morphed into business coaching. Didn't start out that way. Yeah. So the transitions keep coming. Can you tell us when you first started coaching, what were the biggest surprises? Maybe not, not everything was rosy, but like, were there pros and cons that you were seeing as you were starting in this coaching and getting yourself clients? Give us a pros and cons list of what was going on in the beginning. Absolutely. The pros were, oh my God, I love this work. This is so much fun. I cannot believe someone's paying me to sit down and have this conversation with them. Like mind blown. The cons were, now I have to go find the people willing to sit down and pay me to have this conversation with them. And it's funny because I really hadn't in my prior life as an HR consultant stepped into the shoes of the business owner trying to grow the business. It all just sort of happened. And here I really decided I wanted to do it in a different way. So starting and growing a business and getting clear on how you do what you do and for whom you do what you do, that's hard. That can be hard work. And the marketing aspect of it, which again, I did very little of before in my life and doing it as a woman in my late forties, where I was like, wait, I have to be on Instagram. Like I'm now, I'm now 50. So, um, that all felt overwhelming and kind of in the con list, but now looking back at it. And even now I know I have so much further I want to go. I think it's also a pro because it just keeps me sharp and on my toes and always learning and growing. I think one of the biggest shocks for everybody who has never used Instagram or or social media for work is what do you do to grow your audience? What do you do with the friends and family who are there? And what do I do with all of these feelings that I don't want them to think I'm trying to sell them anything? Did you go through anything like that? Totally, totally. And thank goodness for all the coaching I might, I availed myself of as a client, as I was growing my coaching business, because there's mindset work for all of that. And it really is coming down to like, I'm not just going out there and saying, pay me. I'm going out there and saying, I can help you. Here's how, would you like to work together? And having a service oriented mindset is something that everyone who's looking for a coach should be looking for in a coach. So really at the end of the day, my coaching is not about me. It's about the people who I serve. 
And when I sort of shifted my mindset to focus on that, it becomes fun again. And it, be, it feels good. It fills me up as well as serving my clients at a higher level. What would you say was one of your biggest limiting beliefs back then when you started? I don't know enough. And it's interesting because for someone, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Ina, who always wants to be learning and growing, you have to balance out these two conflicting ideas of, I want to know so much more. I want to get so much better. And I know enough right now to really be of service to someone. If somebody's struggling with that one right now, what would you tell them so they can just go out there and not stop themselves because they feel like they don't know enough? Believe that you can hold both statements in the palm of your hand. There's more to learn and you know enough now to help someone. I, I used to work with a lot of coaches who would tell me, wait, but I'm not certified yet. And I'm like, well, you have so much experience or you have a master's degree in something or you have already helped people over the past year to do this thing. Like, there's somebody out there who needs your help right now. And you're telling them, I don't want to help you because I don't have this certification that I want to do that is probably going to take me another six months to do. So that's, that's kind of what like, it got me really out of it. It's like, you know what? The fact that I have a master's in business should be proof enough, like certification enough, right? And the fact that I can just totally teach people what I'm doing, right? Like teach people the things that are working. So yeah, for everybody listening, just don't let that stop you. So yes. So let me ask you, you went from life coaching into business coaching, and that was relatively recently. You just mentioned like within the past year. Um, yeah. Can you tell me what was, what was your thought process, what was going on with the life coaching business, which you've already had for several years, yeah. what made you go, hmm, what's up with this business thing? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I was, I started off as a very general life coach and really I had only been doing that about a year before I sh shifted into life and business coaching. Mm -hmm. And here's how that happened. And I think this is a great question for all coaches to ask themselves. I thought, what have I done in my life that I know how to do and how to help other people do. And I really had this moment where I was like, you know, I've always had side hustles, always. Like as, for 35 years, I think, literally, there's always been something I'm cooking up on the side. And wouldn't that be fun to just put together a program to teach people how to do side hustles in a non-hustly way, which is why I call my program Side Gig School. So, I just sort of started it before I was ready. And it was early 2021. And I reached out to people who knew me. And the first group I had of the program, they were all people who I who had taken my yoga classes. And I think that's how businesses always start with the people we know and the networks right. we've already just naturally cultivated. I hear you. So even, yeah, totally. Even then, I don't think I thought of myself as a business coach until... I don't know, for many, many more months until I'd run through a couple more rounds of the program side gig school, made it better, started a podcast um, and just came to a place of feeling extremely confident that I know people, I know how to help people do that. Mm -hmm. And also, and this is where like my employment law HR work comes into play. I know how to help people 
who are in corporate America because I've worked with those people for the last 30 years. So that's, mm. so I really do consider myself a business coach now, but it was, and I think everyone in business goes through this a little bit of an identity shift. And I wouldn't be surprised if I'm not done iterating on my identity as a coach. <laughs> right. I don't think that that work ever really stops. I mean, when I first started, I was talking to moms uh, because I was a new mom and I wanted to help them stay home. Like I was doing the side hustle thing too. And then eventually started progressing into the thing that I teach now, which is, you know, getting clients with a small audience, but I didn't start out that way. And I don't think this is where I'm going to end up. It's just that it continues to be a process of evolution. So yeah. do you see what is your vision right now? Like, what is your end game? I love helping people do things they didn't think they could do. And really, I find so much joy and pleasure and meaning in helping people and moms in particular step onto the side hustle journey. Now, some of them will go on like I have and become full-blown entrepreneurs and others won't. And one thing that I'm really driven by, and I think this goes back to you know, sort of my origin story as a baby lawyer is I want people to be able to conceive of work and how they make work work for their lives in a different way than was possible even 30 years ago or maybe even 20 years ago. Like it doesn't have to look the way it looked for our parents. And I want people to lean into possibility and the freedom that really comes from stepping into creating something new on your own. So can you tell me if you had, let's see that, let's say that we have somebody in our audience right now who is struggling in their job and yeah. they know that they want to do coaching. They're not quite sure what that's going to look like yet. They think, okay, maybe this should be a side hustle until I can grow it enough. But the biggest thing that they're saying to themselves is, but I don't want anybody to find out about it until it's successful. And then I'll start telling people about it. I know because I've been there and I've talked to many people who have that same mentality, like wanting to do the business in secret until it's a huge success. Yeah. And then I'll talk about it. I would love to know what you would tell that person right now. I would say you are having a thought error. You cannot have a successful business that is a secret. <laughs> so you've got the chicken and the egg thing a little mixed up. <laughs> what should they do? Go out and start. And it's okay to tell people and you can start small. And if your ultimate goal is to make enough money that you don't need the day job, you don't need to shout that from the rooftops, but you do need to plant that seed inside of yourself. Have it in writing, visualize it, tell someone about it, have a coach, someone who can support you when your limiting thoughts get in the way to keep going. And the number one thing I see people do that I think is really a dream stealer is they just give up too soon. They give up on themselves too soon. That's definitely like the biggest dream killer is just quitting too soon, quitting right before it actually works. So let me ask you just a little bit about the internal the internal inner workings of your business. So you've had a really successful year. It has been a multi-six-figure venture. So congratulations. That's amazing. So I Thank would you. love to know, what is the makeup 
of a business like that? When somebody's looking at you saying, oh, I want that kind of success too. What kind of offers have you found are the ones that, you know, are the biggest bang for the buck are the ones that you're enjoying the most, the ones that you're always going to have because they are the best ones for the business. Absolutely. I love working with people one-on-one on life and business, especially entrepreneurs, but what comes up in entrepreneurship comes up in life. So there's always life coaching involved in business coaching. And so one-on-one clients and a group coaching program, that's a, you know, somewhat of a high ticket offer. So I'm not selling like a hundred dollar membership. I have two really healthy revenue streams, one-on-one group coaching. That's it. So I actually think the key to growing quickly is being um, simple in your business plan and in your marketing so that the right people can find you. What is your favorite way of marketing your business? I love to write which is evidenced by the fact that I wrote a book. So I actually love blogging and writing newsletters and just sitting and letting my brain explore on my computer. I really love that. And I've become over the past couple of years, a much more visual marketer. So I am on Instagram quite a bit too. And I I think most natural for me is pen to paper, fingers to keyboard, but I'm getting more and more comfortable face in front of camera speaking live as well. And I'm doing that on my podcast. It's not on YouTube the way yours is. So it's just me behind the camera. Nobody can see me, but I like the spoken word as well. I like words. Tell us the name of your podcast. Plug it right here so everybody can go and subscribe. It's called Side Gig School. Very cool. So what is next for you? I am looking to grow my business by serving more people. So I am looking to have more group coaching programs, all teaching the same thing, and really just serve more. I mean, I don't see myself ever giving up my one-on-one practice. I know a lot of coaches, when they scale and get bigger, lose the one-on-one, but I thrive on the personal connection, and that's just going to continue to be a part of it. So I think for my coaching business, it's going to be more of the same, just on steroids. Love it. I love it. So can you tell us what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful businesswoman? I think people might think it comes easy for me and I work really hard and I have learned how to manage my own mind and I don't do it on my own. I, I always, I mean, I'm such a believer in coaching. I've got coaches. So it may look easy from the outside. And part of me wants it to because I so believe in people not getting turned off by failures or missteps or rejection or what have you, all the things that are inevitable in the entrepreneurial journey. And sometimes it's really hard. And we are stronger than we think, and we can do hard things. And like, how do I know that's true of every single person listening? Because we all have. You don't get through this life without doing hard things. So I think that might be a misconception people have of me. And finally, if everybody who's listening had to do what you're about to tell them to do, and they have to do it in the next 24 hours, what would that thing be? 
decide on a business idea and make a plan to put it into action. You heard it here first. That's what you're going to do. So Cindy, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your story with us. Can you please tell us where we can go and follow you, find you, get in on your newsletter? Where can we follow you? Absolutely. My Instagram handle is Blue Tree Coaching. That's the name of my business. My podcast, as I said, is Side Gig School. And my website is bluetree-coaching.com. I mean, all the places. And we're going to put all those links in the show notes. So Cindy, thank you so much for doing this. And we'll see you on your podcast. Thanks, Ina. Hey there, Ina here. After this interview, you may be wondering how you can take your coaching business from side hustle status to full-time venture. I got you covered. Stick around for the next companion episode where I'll teach you the three practical calculations you need to make before going full-time with your business. And if you would like to listen to the full interview with all those details that only the super fans really want to know, go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut and get free VIP access to the full library of all our uncut interviews. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening. You know that part in this episode that made you go, oh my God, I need to write that down. I want to know what that was. So go over to Instagram and find me at your engagement coach and send me a DM. I want to hear it. And if your business bestie is missing out on all of these juicy strategies, make sure to take a screenshot of the episode and share it to your stories. Remember to tag me so that I can thank you personally for all your support. I'll see you on the next episode.